हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे हरे गुड मॉर्निंग टू एवरीवन हरे कृष्णा सो नाइस टू सी योर ब्राइट शाइनी फेसेस टुडे And good morning to everyone who's listening in online, telephone, or by, or by radio. We're delighted that you could join us. Naveen Sham Prabhu's father is here with us, Ishwar Puri Prabhu. Thank you very much for coming to be with us, sir. I don't know your name. Dr. Freddy from El Paso, Texas. Thank you very much for coming to be with us. You must be uh you must know Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu and Jivananda Prabhu. Yes, sir. Jivananda Prabhu and his wife at that time were very instrumental in getting my wife and I to move here to Dallas, Texas. That was 19 we met them first in 1977 and then uh we moved together in the same moving van from from um Knoxville Tennessee and then we were followed shortly thereafter by two other men who were from Nashville Tennessee Radhanat Prabhu and Maturnat Prabhu so we we owe a debt of gratitude to everyone who has played an instrumental part in our getting here to Dallas, Texas. We my wife and I came to stay in 1980. So we've been here ever since 1980. That's going on 40 years this coming. We raised our five children in this community and now we have also four grandchildren in the in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And we're pleased that one of our grandsons has entered the Gurukula Mother Kalindi's class for the first time this year. My wife was the administrator and one of the teachers of the school, our our community school, TKG Academy it is known as now. Uh she was the principal beginning probably in 1985-86 and she taught there and was the administrator until something like 2014. So she had about 30 years of experience there. So everyone um very glad you you all were with us if you were listening in yesterday you heard uh our god sister Jayashree Radhe give a very nice discourse on the first canto second chapter of the Shrimad Bhagavatam text number 24 and if you were listening the day before you heard uh one of our senior members in the community mother Antaryami Devi uh also give a class on text number 23 a first canto chapter 2 so if you don't get to hear the classes very well or maybe you just want to listen to them for a second time you can always go to radhakalachanji.org there's a menu that comes up after about 10 seconds of waiting for it which seems like a long time nowadays for a computer to bring up anything 
Um, but anyhow, uh, if you if you go to scroll down the menu until you get to media, click on media, and then you'll get you'll see the uh, archived audio classes that are held here in, in the community. Uh, I say that for the benefit of those of you who have favorites like uh, Jai Shirade Devi and uh, also Mother Anta Yami. They they both give very nice classes, and we've had some. Uh, excellent guest speakers come in from time to time. More re- most recently, we had uh, Sheila Bhaktivinod Swami uh, come and give some really, really nice classes. So if you, if you did not get to avail yourselves of them, then I suggest that you do so by going to the archived versions. Hare Krishna, Dr. Stephen. So it's very nice to have everybody with us. And uh, my name is Rupano Gadas. I'm a disciple of His Holiness Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj. And today we're going to be reading from text number 25. Uh, this is in Canto 1, Chapter 2. And this chapter is entitled Divinity and Divine Service. So I guess before we begin, I'm looking for some cartels. Do we have cartels? And we'll sing our invocation, uh, asking for the blessings and the presence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Shri Shri Radha Kalachanji. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Gopi Janna Vallabha Girivardhari His Divine Grace, Avaya Chana Ravinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Ki. 
Jayom Vishnupada Padmahamsa Paribhidaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimadis Divine Grace Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Gosami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki Iskan BBT Foundra Charja Srila Prabhupada Ki Iskan Guru Parampara Ki Shri Rupa Shri Sanatan Bhatta Raghunath Jiva Gopal Bhatta Dasa Raghunath Sadko Sami Prabhu Ki Nama Charja Shila Haridas Thakur Ki Premsiko Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhuntanda Shri Advaita Karadhar Shri Vasari Gora Bhakta Rinda Ki Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamakun Radhakun Girigiro Govardhan Ki Shri Vindamandam Ki Shri Maturadam Ki, Shri Braja Mandala Mandala, Shri Shri Radha Vrindavan Dam Ki. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Shri Guru and Shri Gauranga. Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Pastaya Bhutale Shambhati Bhakti Vedanta Swamini Tinamane Namaste Saraswati Devi Gaurabhati Pachanine Nibhashashashnavati Pashtata Deshitanine Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanarottamam Devim Saraswatim Yasan Tato Jayam Oderayat Nasta Praeshva Badreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavat Yuttama Shloke Bhakti Bhavarinashtaki Adharashimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai The text that we have written on the board should be text number 25. And I believe it is. So we'll do word for word uh, recitations of the Sanskrit text. Bejire Munayo Tagre Bhagavantam Arhokchajam Satvam Vishudham Chemaya Kalpate I beg your pardon. Kalpante Ye Nu tan iha bejire munayo thagre bhagavantam arhukshajam satvam vishudam shemaya kalpante ye nu tan iha Bejire Munayotagre Bhagavantam Bharokchajam 
सत्वंबिशुधम चेमाय कल्पन्ते ये नुतानिहा Can please Bejine munayothagre Bhagavantam marokshajam Satvam vishudam shemaya Kalpante yenutaniha Bejine munayothagre Bhagavantam marokshajam Satvam vishudam shemaya Kalpante yenutaniha Anyone else, please? Bhavi bejire munayotagri Bhagavantam marokshajam Satvam vishudam chemaya Alpande Nutaniha. Anyone else? Word for word translations. Bejide rendered service unto Munaya the sages. Atha thus Agre previously. Bhagavantam unto the personality of Godhead. Arhokshajam the transcendence. Sattvam existence. Bishudam above the three modes of nature. Shemaya to derive the ultimate benefit. Kalpante Deserve, ye, those, anu, follow, tan, those, iha, in this material world. Translation by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Previously, all the great sages rendered service unto the personality of Godhead due to His existence above the three modes of material nature. They worshipped him to become free from material conditions and thus derive the ultimate benefit. Whoever follows such great authorities is also eligible for liberation from the material world. Repeat with me, please. Previously, all the great sages rendered service under the personality of Godhead due to his existence above the three modes of material nature. They worshipped him to become free from material conditions and thus derive the ultimate benefit. Whoever follows such great authorities is also eligible for liberation from the material world. And purport also by his divine grace to the Prabhupada. 
The purpose of performing religion is neither to profit by material gain nor to get simple knowledge of discerning matter from spirit. The ultimate aim of religious performances is to release oneself from material bondage and regain the life of freedom in the transcendental world where the personality of Godhead is a supreme person. Laws of religion, therefore, are directly enacted by the personality of Godhead, and except for the Mahajans, or the authorized agents of the Lord, no one knows the purpose of religion. There are twelve particular agents of the Lord who know the purpose of religion, and all of them render transcendental service unto Him. Persons who desire their own good may also um, may follow these Mahajans and thus attain the supreme benefit. Om Jnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Marovishtam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupakada Maya Dirati Swabrantikam Bande Hum Shri Guru Shri Jutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavam Cha Shri Rupam Sagvadattam Sahagana Raganatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitam Cha he Krishna Karunasundo Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta today Tapta Kanchana Gurangi Radhe Brindavadeshwari Vrishabanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadha Sarigor Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Vanchakalpatrubhischa, Kripas, Nubhyayavacha, Patidanam Bhavanebhyo, Vaishnavebhyo, Namo Nama, Nama Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Pastaya Bhutale, Srimade Tamal Krishna, Gosamaniti Namane, The text once again. Previously, the, all the great sages rendered service unto the personality of Godhead due to his existence above the three modes of material nature. They worshipped him to become free from material conditions and thus derive the ultimate benefit. Whoever follows such great authorities is eligible, also eligible for liberation from the material world. And since we don't have access, direct access to those uh, 12 Mahajans, then we uh, we also follow those who are very exalted followers of the Mahajans. So today I wanted I wanted to, to talk about a little bit about freeing society from material conditions. Uh, we we read here that uh, the great sages worshipped the Supreme Lord to become free from material conditions, so that they could derive the ultimate benefit of getting free of this material world. 
So freeing the society from, from material conditions, in particular, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. We're very much interested because unless we become free, then it's very hard to free others, isn't it? Just like if you don't have Krishna, it's very hard to give Krishna to others. So we expect then both to get Krishna from those who know Krishna and to become freed from this material world by following those who themselves are freed from this material world. So one of the first aspects of becoming free is to become free of distractions. This is a major, major problem in our society. The community, the uh, facility for communications and transportation has become so great that we know within few moments what's happening on the other side of the world, according to the news media. And they're they're not always 100% accurate, but they do the best they can. We give them credit for being conscientious. So there are distractions of all kinds around us every day, even when we come into the temple room to uh, a, to just to chant japa. Uh, we're followed by our minds uh and it's very it's very hard to quieten the mind so that we can concentrate on the activity which is prescribed by the supreme personality of Godhead, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for getting out of this material world. Uh, Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, and also uh, Harinam, 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 Eva Kevalam. Only one way. There's only one way. There's only one way. And that is by chanting the holy names, chanting the holy names, chanting the holy names. So to quieten the mind down. uh, uh, Now, some people think that they can do that by simply sitting in meditation. But uh, that, that particular practice is not necessarily recommended for this age of Kali, in which we have so many distractions that take our minds away, take our take our bodies away too, don't they? Uh, they we find ourselves going places and doing things that are that we know are not necessarily beneficial, and that is because they're just they're attractive to us, and, and the the people that we go to see they're attractive to us also, aren't they? So very hard to become free, but we find that by living a simple life. We can somehow that become. Uh, we can at least move in the direction to become free of distractions, living a simple life. In other words, if we don't crowd our schedule so that all day long we're doing what the soccer moms do, and that is take the kids to school, come back and fix lunch, go get the kids, or and and in the afternoon when they get out of school, take them to this activity, take them to that activity, whether it's soccer, whether it's band practice, whether it's football, there's always something going on. And so at the end of the day, we can just imagine, I I don't even want to imagine too much, but we can just imagine how those those mothers and fathers, in in some cases, some cases the fathers are the ones who take care of the kids because the mother has certain skills, certain uh, education, which allows her to go out and be the chief breadwinner for the family. So the father sometimes has to do it too. You know, so for a life that's filled with, with activities, you know, running here and there, 
from the moment you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed at night. They just sap all of our energy and they take away the ability to focus on chanting the holy names of the Lord. If we're fortunate enough to know the benefit of chanting the holy names of the Lord, and some people are not. So chanting with attention then is is the major a way of getting out of this material world to become freed from all of this material attraction that we have, this uh, this this great uh, phantasmagoria of the material energy of the Lord, which is it's it's intended to do that, and it does its job very well, doesn't it? The whole purpose of being in this material world is to give us some activities to perform, so that we know how to think about Krishna. And so that we don't have, to, we don't think we have to be under His direct control, and and so Maya, Krishna's material energy, presents us with so many sights, so many sounds, so many tastes, so many desires to get free, to get some relief from all this, uh, that that we, that uh, is very difficult to overcome. So even though the living entities, which is who we are in these bodies, in these even though we have material bodies, which are considered to be the inferior material energy of the Lord, and we are considered to be the superior, the same as it's superior energy of the Lord, but uh, we're marginal in the sense that because we're so tiny and insignificant in comparison with this powerful material energy of the Lord, it becomes very difficult for us to find continual happiness, which is what we're all seeking for. And it's said that without peace of mind, there can be no happiness. So until we get to the state of of being able to gain some peace of mind, then, you know, forget being happy and satisfied. We might have moments of pleasure, and sometimes we find those moments of pleasure by our association with other people, by our our, our ingesting certain things, our drinking certain things, our smoking certain things, which are all uh, detrimental to to the condition of the body. In which we inhabit. So, uh, what do we do? So, we can benefit from a very simple lifestyle. First of all, we have to free ourselves from the problems that we face in the society. And for one who has television, who has a radio, very difficult to to go through the day without hearing all of the problems that are occurring locally and all of the problems that are occurring internationally. So there was there was a time in the past when people didn't have these means of communication. And so they didn't really have to worry too much about what was going on outside their own community. I grew up in such a community as that, except television was just coming in really big in the in the mid nineteen fifties. And so we had one we had one little twelve inch black and white television and we could pick up one station in rural Mississippi if we had a proper outside antenna. Uh, so, uh, it, it, what used to be the, the the place where my wife and I grew up, it was a small community, but it was primarily a farming community up until the 1950s. And at that time, all of the uh, the workers that the the young men and women who were mostly African American boys and girls, they would they would work for the landowners. 
but they the the uh, the kind of money that they made was not did not make it possible for them to live a very satisfactory life. They didn't have proper housing, didn't have proper clothes. A lot of times, sometimes most of the time in a rural community, you can find something to eat. You know, everybody's growing a garden. You know, you can go out and pick corn from the fields. Uh, but as 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 time went on in the mid fifties, the young men and women especially those of the African-American community, uh, began to become attracted by the industrial jobs, the factory jobs that were available in the north and the northeast, north-central, northeastern part of the country. They could go up there and make more money uh, in, in one day than they could possibly make in a week uh, working for a farmer. I can remember some of the young men that I, I used to hang out with, uh, who were working for my uncle, who was a, a farmer, uh, you know, they would, they would make $3 a day. Now, my father made, uh, he was, he was not a, a, he was not a professional person. He was just, uh, you know, he'd learned some things and he could make all of $50, $60 a week. Now, we can't imagine how you could get by on that because right now, uh, we have to spend maybe two, three times that much just on going to the grocery store and buying groceries for the house. But at that time, a person could buy groceries for the week for about $12. And that was out of a $50 a week income. So it was possible to do back at the time. But the, the members of, of the society, and especially, again, the African-American boys and girls, they did not have the access to the better-paying jobs, which would allow them to have a normal type of family life. So uh, th- that, even though the lifestyle at that time was pretty simple, still it did not. people were not freed from the problems of society. And it, with the advent of television and with the advent of uh, especially FM radio, uh, then people had access to all kinds of information from all over the world. And so they, it, it, it was impossible, really, to get away from the, the difficulties of society, especially when World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnamese War, uh, the uh, war with Iraq. When, when all of these things began to happen, you know, people began to hear about them and not only hear about them, but to see what was going on. How do you get that stuff out of your head so that you can just sit down and chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna? How is that? How is it possible to do that? And even today, we should, we should have the same thing. It's for some reason, I, I was reading just yesterday, somebody published something on Facebook uh, saying that... Uh, India is the only country, practically the only country, that has not gone to war with another country, ever, at least in in modern times. Did you know that? And the United States, ever since its inception in 1776, has been at war with somebody, practically all the time. Back-to-back war. When one is over, it's not long before another one begins. And so we got young men and young women going out giving their lives. So, uh, one of the, another one of the benefits from having a simple lifestyle is being able to raise children without the complication of modern, that modern kids have. Um, I did my, I did my student teaching, as they call it, um, uh, back a few years ago and up in, uh, uh, Louisville, Louisville, Texas, not too far from Dallas. 
And, and, and I saw the faces of these young, young men and women who were in the 12th grade coming into the classroom, even in the, I taught for a, a short time, six weeks or so in the seventh grade also. And I would see on the faces of these young people, some of these young people, it was as though they had, they must have had a horrible home life because they, there was no smile on their face when they came into the classroom. And, you know, we, 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 we see the kids around our community here going to our community school. They are laughing and playing together and having a great old time. And so if, you're, if you can live a simple enough lifestyle without the interference from all of these sources of information, sometimes it's a lot easier to raise kids who are not mentally challenged, you know, psychologically challenged by everything that goes on around them. And then you got, when they get to be in their, into their late teens and they, they sometimes go off to war and they come back really challenged at that time. This PTSD is, has become just a standard term in our, in our vocation, in our vocabularies now, hasn't it? Post-traumatic stress disorder. And so many drugs are being sold to try to help those people deal with this, this, the trauma that they experienced in, in, in the wars. So this is not a simple life. Without modern transportation, these wars could not happen. Did you know that? If we didn't have, if we didn't have petroleum at, at such an, a cheap price, such a low price, petroleum is really cheap. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have nations going to war with somebody else that's halfway around the world. There would be no big ships carrying armaments and carrying soldiers over there. There'd be no airplanes carrying. And so what seems to us to be a great technological advantage that we have, we got nice automobiles we can sit very comfortably in and just travel for, you know, 500 miles in a day, or we can get on an airplane and we can go thousands of miles and somewhat comfort, relative comfort, especially relative to the way they used to have when the early planes were there, when you'd have to practically sit on the floor or sit on a bag or something. So things have improved in that way, but there are so many complications now that have been brought about by the improvements in technology. Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange that, that, that the technology that was supposed to make our lives so much better has done practically nothing more than make our lives much more complicated. So with that complication then, uh, it's, it's difficult for our modern kids who are going to the schools, getting ready to enter that kind of job market, uh, to make their lives full of debt and full of more complications than they've ever had in the past. Uh, we, we also know that, uh, if you, if you have a simple lifestyle, then, um, it, it also eliminates one other problem we have in our society, and that is that men and women work together in the same workplace with others, other persons' spouses. And if you haven't had any experience of that, uh, you will. You will have. If you, if you take part in what's going on out there in society, you'll find that there's, as, as soon as men and women get together in the workplace, there's attraction of one for the other. It's a sexual attraction, and, and it's impossible to avoid. Practically impossible to avoid, because you don't find many workplaces in which there are only men or only women working. And I've seen this before. I've seen this happen. And immediately, you know, it, it turns the mind to things of, you know, illicit activities, 
which again uh, complicate matters because they quite often lead to divorce among spouses. And the, the divorce rate uh, some years back was already up to over 50%. So if you, if you got married, you had a one in, one in two chances. You had 50 out of 100 chances of, of that your marriage is going to fail because of divorce. And that's, part of that was largely due then to young men encountering young women or older men encountering older women out of the workplace. Just something else. So what we, what we have to do uh, then for, with a simple lifestyle is make the mind peaceful for concentration on the chanting. It's such an important activity that there's no way to get out of this material world. Lord Chaitanya says it. You cannot get out without chanting the holy names of the Lord. And yet people who have been in ISKCON, been in the International Society of Krishna Consciousness for many years now, decades even, we, we find, we're finding it difficult to control our minds to the point that we can chant decent rounds. Even when we get up in the morning, this morning I was chanting about 3.30, a little before 3.30, to get my rounds finished before I had to start making preparations to come and give a class. And so it, even at that time of morning when it's not possible to be doing anything else practically, still there are thoughts going through the mind. What am I going to do about this? You know, I think Ritatwa Jamaraj, he's <laughs> such a clever fellow and so funny. He was talking about he'd channel a bit and he'd say, should I get those tires fixed today? Should I go to the tire shop? I, I've got I've got to do something about tires. And then he realized, you know, what he was saying about. And so Krishna says, wherever the mind wanders, you have to bring it back under the control of the self. And the simpler the lifestyle that you have, the easier it is to accomplish that. So we have to transition away from modern society. And that's not an easy thing to think about, is it? Because we don't have any direct experience of living a very simple, agricultural, rural existence, do we? Most of us do not. My wife and I are at the age now that we can look back and remember when the when the community that we were in was that kind of community, and then people began to own automobiles, and the people began to get telephones, and the people began to get radios and televisions, and then it wasn't so long after that, twenty thirty years later, then people began to have access to the internet, which is a modern invention, you know. It's a, and and ways it's really good for preaching. But if you don't have to preach, or if you can't preach, then it's a way to waste a lot of time. And to, it takes a lot of time away from from your other duties that you have to perform. Or it takes away that time that you could be uh, devoting to meditation and making your life better. So uh, we have to, generally speaking, when we're trying to transition away, uh, it, we have we still have to continue to work to prepare to live simply. And sometimes it takes working for a goodly portion of your life before you can save up enough money to maybe purchase a place out in the country that you can start thinking about, well, maybe I can spend most of my time. Hare Krishna, Kalindi Devi. Uh, it, to, so we have to, it, it, it's practically impossible to get by in this society without working at some outside kind of business. So we have to do that. But at the same time, we have to start investing our energy and maybe our money getting ready to uh, to move into a rural setting. 
And if we don't do that as a society, then we're going to find ourselves just staying in the cities and just just doing what other people do, that is going to work, making money, bringing it, paying bills and that sort of thing, make trying to make enough money to send our kids off to college. And then they go to college, and, and then sometimes they're like me, you know, what my parents spent so much money on college for, I abandoned a few decades after I got out of college for the first time, and I started doing something else. I went back to college <laughs> to to gain some other some other way of making a livelihood. So um, even while we're transitioning out of this society, we still have to earn money to support ourselves and our families, don't we? Even if even if we're single. And 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 we we're trying to make that kind of transition. One of the biggest problems, I guess, that ISKCON has had starting farm communities, is that they're generally up at a pretty good distance from a place where people can go and make a livelihood. I know our we have a little farm up at uh, in Tennessee called Murari Sevak. Who, who's heard about Who's heard about Murari? Mother Kunti has. Who else? Chuckie. Yeah, beautiful little place, beautiful little place. And we've, we've had at least one young household couple leave here and, and go up there and try to make a livelihood. But the young man had found himself having to drive for an hour or more to get to a job so he could support his family. Because what, I mean, if you're, if you're working on a farm, you, you, you can't really expect to make any money. About the only people who can do that are single people who don't have responsibility for a family. And so, therefore, it's, it becomes very difficult. So, um, uh, it, it while we're while we're trying to make that transition to out to a, a rural, self-sufficient community type environment, we still have to be working and making money, don't we, to support ourselves for our own needs, our own desires, and for those of our family. We have to develop skills and resources for being out in the country because most of us don't grow up knowing how to do things. Mother Kunti is sitting over here. Her husband, Shalagram Prabhu, has done a lot of study in recent years, in the past decade or so, maybe more, uh, about how to grow crops without using a great deal of commercial fertilizer and, and using the pesticides and insecticides, things that are being used, or herbicides, getting rid of weeds and things. In other words, modern agribiz uses all kinds of products that come from industry, which are intended to help make farming easier and help you grow more crops. But the trouble is that they destroy the very soil that you're trying to make grow crops out of. So who's got the skills to go out and, and, and raise okra or raise peas or raise those things? What, what about, uh, what about oats and, and corn and, and wheat? Those kinds of grains that, you know, are kind of the, the staple of, of, of our diet here in the South, especially. Uh, how we, how are we going to raise those things if we don't have any experience with them? And what school, what college teaches kids how to do those kinds of things? Not too many of those kinds of colleges around, are they? Why? Because you can't make money doing it. And kids that go to school nowadays go to college. Usually it's a vocational decision. It's no longer, I want to go and get educated. It's, it's I, I, want, I, want to get, I want to be able to get a job when I get out of college so I can pay back that $100,000 I borrowed and, and to be able to make, make enough money that I can, I can provide all those things that I really want to get. 
So this is the, these are the complications that people are facing when they think about trying to move out and start a rural community. Practically the only persons that can move out into, the, into a, a, an area where uh, jobs are not immediately accessible, you know, like where you don't have to drive for an hour or two, to get to them. About the only person who do that are people my age that have some retirement income and already have paid for a house and don't have car notes and things like that that young people have to have. Isn't that true? So we, we have to avoid the temptation to transplant our modern way of living out into the country. In other words, we have to make an arrangement that allows us to move out into the country without going out there with all the trappings that we have in our in our urban society. You know, the televisions, the radios, the cars, and all these kinds of things. And it, it, it's, it's not an easy thing to make that transition. So what, what we really have to start out with is we have to envision a changing lifestyle. If we can't even imagine it, if we can't, we don't have a vision of how it can be, then what do you think the likelihood is that we will ever make that transition out to a rural society? First of all, you have to start with a vision. You have to see in your mind that it is possible. Now, if nobody in society is doing it, then nobody is going to have that vision that it can be done. So somebody has to do it. And guess who's, who that's got to be? Probably us. And we're not talking about, you know, a farmer who has a, a $100,000 tractor over here pulling another $50,000 piece of equipment to farm a 1,000 acres or 2,000 acres or 10,000 acres. You know, that's being done in parts of America. Uh, but those those kinds, that kind of money outlay, it makes it impossible for a farmer to go out and, and, and work 10, 20 acres of land and make enough money to live on unless he's growing marijuana. If he's growing, if he's growing something that will sell on, the, on, the, on what we call the black market, now it's no longer the black market, is it? Because uh, marijuana is one of, those, one of those crops that is being, now it's being invested in, and people are making a lot of money off the sale of that. Why? Because it gives people relief. It, it gives them, we call it happiness. But really, it's been described by Srila Prabhupada as being brief, momentary relief from suffering. Whether you use marijuana, whether you use alcohol, whether you use opioids, whether you use some other kind of drug. Now, I just heard this morning that somewhere in Philadelphia, it's in Philadelphia, I believe, that they are now, they have gotten government approval to be able to set up safe centers for those persons who want to use uh, the illegal drugs, to uh, use opioids, to use things that they inject into their veins, they they have set up a place now where people, young people, old people, can come in and use those drugs under the under the watchful eye of a nurse or someone who can help them not overdose, make sure that they're not using uh, 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 equipment that has become. Uh, that, that has it become sterilized, you know, it's not proper, that they can... Because, and they said, what's the reason for that? Because people are dying. The people are dying. And, and just because you make something illegal, 
and don't give people a place to go and use it safely doesn't mean the people are not going to use it anyhow, right? So but there's some hum, hum, humane aspects to that. We we wonder, well, why don't you just make make it all illegal and it'll go away? Is that will that happen? Oh, it won't. You know, there was a time in this country when they made uh, uh, the use of alcohol illegal. But uh, how long did that last? It didn't last very long because people demanded something to help them ease their minds and stop the suffering. And uh, this was back, I think, the early part of the last century, the 20th century, the 1900s, that they had the very early part of the 1900s when uh, when. You know, a lot of people, especially wives, were marching in the streets uh, uh, and actually brought about legislation that that caused alcohol to be illegal. And so a lot, you know, there's some movies made about the uh, running, the alcohol runners, bootleggers running alcohol, you know, especially up in the Appalachian areas, you know, in the mountains where there's lots of uh, streams flowing water where they can cool down the the corn Let's see, what is the, anyhow, they made something, something uh, made alcoholics uh, beverage uh, using corn and wheat and sugar and things like it, barley. And, uh, and then they would distill it so that they could condense the alcohol and then they would use that free-flowing water to cool down the vapor that came off the distillery so that they'd make liquid alcohol. And you can, there are actually some movies that have been made from that time period. And you can go, you can go and look at them and see what risks people took at that time. Because, if, you know, when alcohol is illegal, then the only persons that are going to have it available are those, are the outlaws. You know, laws are not made for law-abiding people. But, or are they? Actually, they are, aren't they? As a matter of fact... Only law-abiding people follow the laws. But the laws that are intended to stop something are generally not followed by those who are outlaws. I'll give you one more example of that, and that is uh, the use use of uh, uh, the ownership of firearms in this country. Uh, There have been all kinds of laws made and put on the books which are supposed to make people safe. Keep people from from uh, you know from being harmed, but it's it's not the law-abiding citizens that those laws were made for. But nonetheless, it's the law-abiding citizens who are affected by that. So the people who who want to own guns either for sport or for hunting, as they do in places like Alaska, you know where people uh, people hunt for uh, for their meat supply. You know that's that's one of their main sources of nutrition up there. You can imagine, somebody said that, uh, you know, uh, well, Eskimos have to eat meat, you know, so why, should, why shouldn't we be allowed to eat meat? Of course, we don't eat meat, meat, fish, or eggs in our international society. But they said, well, you know, you can take your birth as an Eskimo, <laughs> and the, all you have to eat practically up there, especially in the wintertime, is meat. Uh, you, anything else has to be shipped in by air or by ship or something. It's just not available up there because the growing season is just too short. There are blueberries, and, and the grizzly bears take real advantage of the blueberries up there, and they, that's one of their major sources of nutrition. So we're talking about changing our lifestyle, and what we really want to do is become peaceful and happy. That's what everybody wants, isn't it? 
I just want to be happy. I want to be peaceful. I think about the people in the country, Syria, whose uh, entire cities have been reduced to rubble because the government is, is thinking that somebody is trying to overthrow them and they're in the, and they're in the housing of, in, in the cities. And so the people who have, who want nothing to do with all of that political shenanigans stuff, uh, they are the ones having to suffer. And so men and women taking their children with whatever they can carry on their backs and they're getting on unsafe, uh, uh, ships to get across the ocean to a, a safe place that they can go. Uh, it's just, anyhow, we were saying that our present level of communications allows us to know about these things right away. And so, so when, when you're trying to chant, if you've just seen a program on television, seen a news program on television about these people that are, that are trying to cross the, cross the ocean to get to another, trying to get to Greece or to Europe so that they can have a, have a decent lifestyle, they can feed their children without having to worry about their houses being blown to bits. Uh, we hear about those things now. And it's a great disturbance to the mind. We think, oh, that's terrible. What can I do about it? And there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it. All we can do is just try to chant. And, of course, if we understand our philosophy properly, we know that nobody suffers except that they are due to suffer. In other words, we're, when I suffer, I'm simply taking the reactions that are coming because of what I've done in the past. Whether those bad reactions are coming by my next door neighbor, by my wife, whether they're coming from the local government or whether they're coming from the federal government or coming from some other country, all that suffering is coming to me. I have to suffer only because of what I have done in the past. So that, that should make us feel better about things, shouldn't it? <laughs> I'm the cause of all my suffering. Some people object to that, saying that, uh, no, it's, you shouldn't tell people that, you know, it's, it's all your fault. You shouldn't be telling, talking to people like that, you know, when they're in the middle of suffering, especially. It's all your fault that you're having to go through this. I mean, what good does that do? We have, we have to sympathize, of course, with people who are suffering and try to find some way to help minimize their suffering. But at the same time, we have to realize that uh, it's the lifestyle sometimes that people lead. It's what they do to their fellow men and, and, and to their children, to their wives, that causes them to have to go through considerable suffering in this lifetime. So we, we have to try to prepare. If we really want to change our lifestyle, we have to prepare our children to become independent of this industrial, commercial society that we have grown up in and are taking part in. But as you know, as a parent who's, who really hopes to get their, get their child off the family payroll and get them out there making money for themselves, it's, it's really hard sometimes for us to think about teaching our kids to perform some other kind of lifestyle, to get into some other kind of lifestyle, because we want them to be able to make money and to be independent. So we, as, as, as a society that really believes in simple living and high thinking, who believes in having a self-sufficient farming community, maybe not all over the world, but but at least in our own area, we have to set an example for others to duplicate, and we have to learn to use the earth with respect so that it can be sustainable. Right now, the society that we're in uh, has a lot of practices that are not sustainable. 
they will eventually lead to serious problems. Some people even believe that the climate is being changed by the by the lifestyle that we have. Others say, no, it's not that. It's just it's a natural cycle of events. But whatever it is, it's it's the our dependence on the industrialism and the and the military uh, uh, movements of different countries around the world. So here's something Srila Prabhupada wrote in 19, or actually he uh, wrote this letter to Jagadish Prabhu, who used to be Jagadish Maharaj, who was the uh, uh, minister of education for some time. And this was back in 1974 that he wrote this. And this is just a little excerpt of the letter that Srila Prabhupada wrote. He said, yes, the farm plant in New Orleans is fine, but one thing is, if we get land, we must first be sure that we're able to fully utilize it. Otherwise, if we cannot use it, what is the use? I want the world to see by our example that life can be lived naturally, peacefully, if one is self-sufficient with land, some cows, and chanting Hare Krishna. That is the idea for purchasing land. It is not necessary that every temple have a farm, but as many as can be efficiently managed locally is all right. Let them see our sinners are self-sufficient. In other words, let the rest of society around us see that our sinners are self-sufficient. Whatever can be managed conveniently. If they can manage a farm in Detroit also, what is the harm? So, what what have we been talking about today with regard to this text that we read? We've been talking about freeing society from the material conditions that keep us from being able to chant Hare Krishna. So many considerations have to be made if we're going to have peace of mind so that we can just sit and chant and focus on the holy names of Krishna and follow the instructions of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, when he says that there's no other way to get out of this material world than by chanting the holy names of God. Hare Krishna. Would anyone like to comment or question? Do we have a microphone? Is the wireless mic available? Netai Choran Prabhu to the rescue. He's going to see if he can find a wireless mic. <coughs> Now, while he's gone, you need to be thinking about some comments that you wish to make. Otherwise, he's wasting his time to go. <coughs> Mr. Bhagwan Prabhu. We've heard Prabhupada say at least a dozen times that all economic problems can be solved just by having some land, some cows, and um, grow some food. Sometimes you would say that you can grow all your food in three months and spend the rest of the year chanting Hare Krishna. Three months. Some, Yeah, I've heard him say lots of times. You could look it up. But overall... Uh, he, he he continually says that we should be able to live off the land. All our economic problems can be solved by having some land and cows. And we 
wonder, uh, like you were saying, in Marari Savak, they just ended up going to town every day, which is more of what happens. We, uh, even in India, we don't see people being able to live like that nowadays. Is it, is, are we, is what Prabhupada's, uh, point that we can live off of land and cows, is that really applicable in this day and age, or is it something that he wants us to establish? I mean, what is it, what's he really getting at? Because it seems like trying to apply it, we can't find anywhere that anybody's applying like that, you know, that's living like that. That's a, that's a good observation. Good instruction by Srila Prabhupada that we should get, get some land. But again, until somebody is doing it successfully, we can't, many of us cannot envision how it can be done. So we get a piece of land, 100 acres. How much does land cost? Depends on where you buy it, right? Out around where Radhanath Prabhu has his farm. If you can get land out there for five, $6,000 an acre, you're doing pretty good. So 100 acres at $5,000 an acre, that's $500,000. Half a million dollars to buy 100 acres of land. And some people, some people can do that. Uh, I was talking with Pandava Vijay, who lives right across the street from me. He used to be the temple president in Houston. His family's up here now. But he was telling me that his, his uh, sister and her husband uh, have an 800-acre ranch somewhere south of us here, around Waco or some somewhere in that area, Dawson, Dawson, Texas. Mostly people around uh, Texas, as far as we've been able to see, are growing grass for feeding animals. To make hay, in other words, or they're growing the animals themselves. And what do they do with the animals? Send them to slaughter. We've been getting, uh, we've been getting some community members have gotten together, form kind of a co-op, and we we were getting uh, milk from a Mennonite farmer um, because it's. It's, you know, the cows, he allows his cows to graze, I think, 10 months out of the year. They're, they're grazing on grass. And he doesn't feed them so much grains or other kinds of supplements uh, that modern dairies generally do. And generally speaking, when his cows stop, get to the age that they can no longer produce milk, uh, then he just turns them out to pasture, then don't kill them. Because they have, you know, they have, uh, they they name their cows. You know, he's got kids, and they give names to the cows, and they're kind of like pets. They've been given giving milk, and we think that's appropriate too. Because um, if we're getting milk from a, a creature, then that creature is like one of our mothers. But this uh, this farmer, Mennonite farmer, um, uh, if you go to his house. Um, somewhere southwest of here, um, uh, you'll see that he's got little kind of hutches and small buildings, and tethered to about six or eight of those hutches are calves. Calves that are not permitted to be with their mothers. They're not permitted to run free because he's growing, growing them, raising them for slaughter. 
So that's that's the way, I mean, so we think about the Mennonites and the Amish as being probably the closest thing to an ideal, rural, self-sufficient community, but they're not self-sufficient. And not only that, but they also kill, their, kill the animals that they're not supposed to kill. So they're, you know, there's a problem. There's a problem with killing other living entities, especially cows. And that is you get reactions, get severe reactions. For every hair that's on the body of the cow, it is said, you have to take birth yourself as a cow in a pre in a, in, in your next lifetimes. Uh, as many hairs as are on the body of the cow, you have to take that many births and be slaughtered. In the Bible, you know, it's stated uh, we we come, many of us come from a Christian background. In the Bible, it's stated that uh, a one who killeth an ox is as this as one who killeth a man. Did you know that's in the Bible? One who kills an ox is that's the same as one who kills kills a man. And that's just that's the male cow, right? What to speak of the female cow. It's obvious that most people don't think about the cows as being one of the mothers, but there's what, six six uh creatures, personalities we can say who uh, who act as our mother. One is uh, the our biological mother who gave birth to us. One is our nursemaid. Uh, one is one is the cow. One is the earth. The earth is also we you know we commonly use that term mother earth. The magazine for the back to the landers many years ago, several years, fifty years ago, called Mother Earth News came into existence back when the hippies were wanting to go out. Start self-sufficient farming communities. I even gave gave that a shot myself for about four years, and then decided I didn't know how to do it. Uh, came back into town, and started working again as an engineer. So it's a, it's a very difficult thing to think about an all living in an alternative society when we have grown up in this society, and there's so many things, so many trappings. Of this society, uh, that, that's an interesting term, isn't it? Trappings. We usually think of that as just the p- different paraphernalia that we have, but it really is entrapments. All of those things entrap our minds, so it make it make it very difficult to concentrate on anything spiritual. So, if we don't, if we can't find pleasure in our spiritual lives, then we have to try to find pleasure with these material bodies. And occasionally we do get some pleasure, don't we? Brief pleasure. Sometimes that brief, brief, brief pleasure leads to uh, 20, 30, 40 years of raising a kid. <laughs> Just for a few moments of pleasure, sexual pleasure. Yes, sir. Use the microphone, please. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate your lecture. I was going to ask you a question about the, um, you know, it says they, they worship him to become free from material conditions and thus derive the ultimate benefit. And my question is about the ultimate benefit and what is like the liberation from the material world. For me, it's very difficult to kind of to fathom what it is to be outside of this uh, condition. And if, uh, if you'd be so kind to share a little bit. 
You know, we come into this world, we take birth in this world, but that's not the beginning of our existence. It is said in the, in the literatures, the Vedic literatures, that we're spirit, spirit souls who originally came from the spiritual world. And we became, somehow that we became a little bit attracted to know what was in this material world. So Krishna, wanting to satisfy all of our desires, he said, you want to, you want to go examine my material energy? All right, I'll give you that opportunity. You want to leave my presence and you want to go play where I'm, I'm not so well known? I'll give you that opportunity. So uh, then we come into this material world, but we have to have a body. And this, so our spiritual body is then covered over by this material body. And also we have a subtle body known as mind, intelligence, and false ego. And that false ego, it took me a long time to figure out what that was. But that false ego means becoming so much convinced that I am this body and that I'm going to, whatever pleasure I can find, I'm going to find it through the medium of this body. And, and, uh, even, even the subtle body that we have, mind and intelligence, you know, our mind is, is telling us at all times to do this, to do this, to do this. You know, I'm thirsty. Oh, here's a machine. Let me put a dollar in. I, I want something to drink. And you can do that. Or it's, you know, go to, go to the store, just pick up something and, and without even considering whether it should be offered to the Supreme Lord, you just start, take the wrapper out, start eating. You know, so that's what the mind does. It's trying to satisfy all those senses. And so the ultimate gain then that is being talked about here is to, uh, is to become free of this material body because ultimately this body is nothing but a, it's a machine that produces suffering for the living entity that's, that's trapped inside. And so uh, instead, of, instead of worrying so much about how to make this body happy, in other words, how to satisfy all our senses, our main concern should be how do we satisfy ourselves? We're spirit souls. How do we find pleasure in spiritual life? Because if there's no pleasure there, we have no impetus to go after it. We, you know, we will go after whatever is required to make these bodies happy in this world. But the spiritual, you know, our society doesn't say anything about that. You know, our teachings, I mean, we might have got a smattering of, of, of education in our, in the church that we went to when we were younger. But now that we've gotten to be older, uh, everything around us is is meant to convince us that if we want to be happy, we got to work hard, we got to make money, we got to buy things to make these bodies happy to satisfy our senses. Whether it's the sight, you know, vision of something, we want something beautiful to look at, or whether it's something we want something to eat that is very tasty, or we want to smell a nice aroma, or whatever it is. And, and if we have an automobile, then we want to get to a place where we can see something, smell something, taste something that, that will at least give us some temporary happiness. We call it happiness. Prabhupada says it's, it's momentary, brief re- respite from the suffering that we have to undergo. So the, so the, the purpose of this verse today is to help us to understand that the only way that we can really become happy is to get out of this material situation which we find ourselves. And the longer we live, the longer we have to put up with it, and the worse it gets, because it's no fun 
Uh, was it the Beatles that had that song? What a drag it is getting old. <laughs> Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? <laughs> and so, so we we have we have those. Uh, but, you know, unless you have some spiritual training such as you get being in the Association of Devotees, you, you go through your entire life. You get to be 80, 90 years old doing the same stuff, thinking, well, if I just may tweak this a little bit, I'll be happy. If I, if I get all my teeth pulled out and get a set of nice dentures, then I'll be happy. Or if I get implants, you know, spend $3,000 a piece on an implant, and I'll have to have about 10 of them for my mouth, so I spend $30,000... That'll, that'll make me happy because I'll be able to smile. You know, see people on television have implants. Oh, they have beautiful smiles. You know, nice, perfect, white teeth, you know, kind that I never had. <laughs> and, and all you gotta do is spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars and, and they'll fix you right up. So there's, you know, in this society that we're in, there's, there's that, uh, you know, the pressure on us. And we feel it coming from within ourselves and we feel it coming from outside ourselves to work hard, make money, be successful, buy stuff, you know, buy, 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 and you'll be happy. And it's a lie. <laughs> it's a bloody lie. And what does it lead to? Then it leads to uh, going to war with other countries because they've got something that we need for our industries. They got petroleum in the ground or somewhere around them, or in in uh, uh, not Saudi Arabia. Where is it? Afghanistan. Poor Afghanistan. They don't have much of anything. It's just desert country. But you know what? They got some valuable minerals under their under the soil. And guess who wants those valuable memories? Minerals. You heard of lithium? It's a metal. Yeah, you purify it and you use it, put it in oxide form, makes a real dandy battery. And how many how many batteries now are in cell phones and and uh, in Tesla automobiles and other automobiles? How, how many of those batteries, lithium ion batteries, uh, are people using? So industry demands it, and politicians listen to the industry because the the industry is what provides the money to get them reelected. Isn't it? So they're they're pushing from inside, pushing from the outside. Uh, how do we? How do? How are we going to get out of this material world? The only way we can do it is to die. And there's no guarantee that if you, if you just simply give up. And in other words, a person could justify suicide that way, couldn't he? Yeah. But the only problem with suicide we find is that you have to come back anyhow. You have to come back into this material world. Even if you don't commit suicide, even if you get killed and you have all these reactions coming, then you got to come back and, and face those reactions in your next lifetime. And that's no fun. Who wants to be a baby and, you know, like be a baby who can, can't communicate? All he can do is cry when he's, when he's wet and when he wants something to eat. You got to got to do that for what three or four or five years, and you, and then gradually, gradually, and then you get into your teen years, and then you're hit with all these uh, hormones that are rushing through your body, and you do all kinds of stupid stuff, and then finally you get into your twenties, and you finally get some brains in your head, and then you're still making bad decisions because they've been based on what you've seen other people doing and what the decisions that they've made. And, and you think, well, this is just, this is the way to do things. That's what my mama did and my daddy did and my grandpa did. 
So I'm, it's obviously what I'm going to have to do too. So the only way then to get out of this whole mess is to is to become educated and know what your choices are. I mean, we're intelligent people, are we? We can make choices. We know what the choices are. And if somebody gives us the choice of solving the problems that of living in this material body are causing us, would would we not choose that? Would we not take that choice? Sometimes, but sometimes not. Some people are saying, "Ah, that's just religion." That's your religion. It's not mine. <laughs> and so we got we got this. Who was who was saying that on the? I think it was uh, um, uh, Bhaktivinoda Swami was saying that in a class the other day. You got got all this wealth that you can. Or maybe it was Nitin Prabhu. So all this all this valuable information uh, that you that you that you, we're giving it to you freely. We're not asking you to pay for it. You can buy a book, but you can also go online for free and read if you want to. But nobody has any faith. I remember asking uh, Jivananda Prabhu many years ago. I said, if 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 uh, all you got to do to get liberation from this material world is to chant, I said, why doesn't everybody just chant? And his answer was, because they don't have any faith. They don't really believe that it will work. Well, we might ask ourselves the same question. Right, Stephen? We ask ourselves a question, then does it really work? So then that's the reason that we have persons like Srila Prabhupada coming into this material world to show us what how it works, to show us that it does work. And it's because Krishna sends... His his agents, like talking about the Mahajans, into this material world to try to enliven people and so that they end the suffer. They don't want to see us suffer. Krishna does not want to see us suffer. He's a nice person. He's a nice guy. He's looking at us right now, wondering why it is we don't just go ahead and make the decision to to do service to him. That's all we gotta do. Just just say, yes, I do believe you're God. I do believe you have the power to relieve me of this suffering. That all I have to do is surrender to you. I believe it, but 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 Krishna, it's so hard to give up, you know, by my nice little things that I've I've accumulated in my lifetime. It's hard for me to give up my knowledge. And matter of fact, in Bhagavad Gita somewhere Krishna says that it or maybe Arjuna is saying that it's harder to give up um um, things of the mind than it is to give up things of the body. You, you remember that? You remember reading that? That is more difficult to give up those things which are like like our education, for example. Very difficult for us not to want to hang on to that because we spent so much time trying to get it. But sometimes it's harder for us to give up ideas like that than it is for us to give up physical desires. So anyhow, so then Krishna sends his representatives and then he comes in his deity form and allows us to, you know, to see the beauty of it and, and gives us other people to associate with that could help us to make progress on this on this uh, spiritual path. It's getting late. Shall we go? Thank you all very much for coming, being with us. And I thank all of you who are listening in online, by telephone, by radio. Sukshma Rupini Devi, if you're out there somewhere uh, on the road, I'm thinking about you right now. I know that you're listening sometimes by telephone. 
that you just by dialing a number you can hear what's going on. So Sukshma Rupini, thank you very much for coming by and seeing us whenever you get the chance. And all the rest of you, uh, we offer our humble obeisances because you're Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. You uh, fulfill the desires of everyone. You're full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Manchakal patarubis cha kripasan bhyevacha patitanam bhavanibhyo vaishnabhima namo namah anantakokti vaishnam rindaki jai Srila Prabhupada ki jai Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai Shri Sri Vada Kalachanjidam ki jai Gaur Premanam Haribo